0: Hello guys, welcome to the show. This one comes uh, from a lovely uh, living room, got kind of uh, beautiful uh, furniture sat on a brown sofa alongside a Cheltenham town legend and a Cheltenham school legend, I guess an example, not only for footballers, but for small business people and business people everywhere, entrepreneurs, they call them now. It's Andy Tucker, who played for Cheltenham town in the 90s. But if you've got kids in this area, we're in Woodman Coat, just on the outskirts of Cheltenham. But if you've got kids in Cheltenham, anywhere in Gloucestershire, Worcestershire, up uh, towards the the north of Gloucestershire and and around that area. You probably know the name because he services, what, 50 schools, Andy, now in the the area with coaching schools?
1: Yeah, yeah. On a normal week, we probably look at about 50 to 60 different schools within the area.
0: And I've just, just rocked up to your house, and you've got like lads in their full Andy Tucker red red shorts and and shirts, and and dishing out medals because it's, it's that time of year, Appreciate your time, because it's it's really busy for you, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, we're coming to the end of the school year, so um, that means a lot of the um, school co- courses which we run are actually coming to an end. So uh, we're busy getting the medals and the trophies for for everyone who's been attending, uh, ready to hand out this week and next week.
0: And we have got a little, um, is it cockapoo, isn't it? A little uh, eight week old that's eight eight week old puppy that's running around that uh you might hear in the background and might be cocking it cocking his leg from time to time
1: uh yeah so we've taken on another little puppy eight weeks old so um yeah following him around with lots of um Tissues and towels, trying to clean up the little bits of wee.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, he's got a few times. He's well hydrated for it, to be fair. Uh, but it's it's fascinating to come here. It's a beautiful home, and it's a be- it's a great story because your name. And I actually said to you, we we met at a Cheltenham Ladies' game. I was invited along, and the former uh, Cheltenham former players, headed up by Sy Goodwin, the chairman there, youngest ever player for Cheltenham. He invited us along, I was sat next to you and I said, oh yeah, no, I've heard about this. Because I said I mentioned co- I coach when I was at university at, and got around the States and stuff. And I said, oh yes, Andy Tucker's done a really great job. And you're like, I am Andy Tucker. And it was a really bizarre thing. But my niece, who's seven, you know, talks about your schools all the time, has it at her school. And it's, I'm, I'm good friends of ours as well, all different parts of Cheltenham and around the area. So it's quite an enterprise. I mean, this is what, 25 years in the making, is it?
1: Yeah, well, this year is actually the, the 25th, year anniversary of when I first started the company so it's quite a bit big milestone really um and um yeah we I just started like I said when I was a football player um at Cheltenham town and I managed to do to do my coaching qualifications whilst whilst I was um full-time with Cheltenham and um at the time, obviously, I was quite in a lucky position because obviously as Cheltenham Town player, I could just write to two or three of the Cheltenham Cheltenham area schools. Yeah, and luckily, um, I sort of uh, was was allowed into their schools to do some coaching. It started off just by doing a few little hours each week, and then I just slowly developed it as I as I got a bit older, and then when I sort of stopped playing football. Um, it was it was basically there to take on up, as, yeah. a, as a full
0: full business, yeah. Well, so what? How so? Nineteen ninety four, twenty five years ago, and I, you don't look old enough to have been there to, to be working at that time as well. It makes me feel bad. I was like twelve or, or thirteen, and probably uh, I've got, got all the grey hair to show for for being even younger than you. But what? Um, what? How old were you at that stage? And because and, that's quite advanced to think about what comes next after a football footballer's life. Because typically, even at lower league levels, people are. Think about getting the fanciest trainers and t-shirts, and, and not necessarily worrying about tomorrow.
1: Yeah, well, I was eighteen at the time, and um, as a, as a sort of child, I, I, there was there was one sort of soccer camp. I think it was in Stroud actually, mm. and um, I went to it a, a, a couple of times when I was probably nine, ten, eleven, sort of age, and I can I can just remember it being such a. Um, uh, happy memories from my my childhood, and I just love going there and basically just learning new skills and uh, developing my game. And um, it's something I I just wanted. I always had a passion to do to 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 basically coach kids and yeah. try and try and um, sort of make them better players as, as individuals as well. And it's fun at that age
0: as well, isn't it? With yeah.
1: Kids? So so basically, what, what I just when I was a football player, I just. I decided at the time to go and do my coaching qualifications in my spare time and looking back now obviously is one of the best things I've I ever decided to do. <laughs> did it um, quick though,
0: didn't you? We you, so we were, were up to level 2 with the FA. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, so I, so
1: I literally I did the level 1, level 2 almost immediately, straight after one another. Yeah, And um yeah, I I it, like I said it, it was it's obviously a lot different nowadays to 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 go through the coaching qualifications as, as what it was back then, but um, yeah, I managed to do them and um, managed to get five schools. I think was the initial t- intake. One it one a night.
0: And were you doing all? You were doing
1: this yourself. Yeah, and it was just literally me with about twenty kids at each school per night. And um, after about a year of doing that, I sort of had a lot more schools sort of contact me, so made the decision to sort of just expand it a little bit. So Um, it's
0: after-school hours, it's not going in to do their PE lessons? Yeah, yeah.
1: to start with, it was just literally an after-school club one night a week, which is what I originally um, committed to. Um, Obviously, as the time went on, we then started to go and do PE lessons within school. Wow. um, And we do... um, we now do Super Strikers, which is a preschool sessions. Hmm. So, um, we them, ne- yeah, yeah. So now it's a seven day a so week. So three year olds and four year olds. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> must be so, fun. So, um, we we sort of took that on. Well, we didn't take it on. We we sort of started it uh, about twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, because um the problem with coaching in and out of schools is, uh, the government and the budgets. It just changes year on year. So you know you could be doing one year and then there's schools have got unlimited budget to, to use for sports Yeah. so um, suddenly we're getting lots and lots of work and then the following September there's no more budget for the school so then we don't have any no, any, not, any yeah. work there so obviously if you're employing people it's just it, it, you're, you're not in control Jeopardy, of yeah. it so we decided to um, to basically set up our own sessions within school hours for preschool so the two to four year olds Yeah. so now basically our daytimes are all Tied up with So, do the schools pay
0: for it or do the parents pay for it? How does it? How so, does it, it work?
1: depends on school, on which school. I mean, um, most schools, the, ch- the parents will pay for their child to attend an after school club. However, there are some schools who will use their school budgets to, mm. to basically pay for our coaches to be on site. Oh, okay,
0: wow. And at that time when you were, you were a teenager, 18, starting off, was it, did you feel drained because you're trying to play professional football as well, full-time football? How was, the, how was the balance for you at that stage? Or was it complimentary and just was a, nat- a natural thing to do, Kep- kept you out of trouble, I suppose?
1: Yeah, well, I've always been a person who can't sit still. So um, a lot of my teammates at the time, we'd finished training you know, about midday and they would just literally go and sleep for two hours. <laughs> I, I've never been one to, to sort of sleep in the day. I'm, I, if you ask my wife, I can't sit still for five minutes. Yeah. So, you know. I appreciate I, you trying for this. I, I, I sit down for five minutes and I'm up, I'm doing the washing or I'm up and, and there's something else I've just remembered I need to do. So I've always been that sort of character. So um, I, I just don't like being bored. Yeah. So um, I think, looking back i, I did it because a I love doing it, and b, I just needed to fill my timer because being a football player is obviously a bit different from a normal and NBA it's ma- is it
0: mainly primary school it's primary school children so it's yeah so so, up to the age of eleven in general
1: yeah, we generally do primary school age children. However, our holiday camps, you know, we, we don't really have a cut off age. Yeah. You know, if they want to come, we still encourage them to Get come. A few dads <laughs> yeah. And uh, we do have a few of the older lads, actually. And we, what we do, if, if they're still interested, come, you know, 13, 14, we just try and then introduce them to help them with the little one. So as well as coming along, you know, they can just help with the coaches in delivering the sessions to the younger children as well.
0: It's interesting. So so you have your regular throughout the year at schools and then you have, what, is it intensive period for the summer for you? Is it coming up to be really busy because you have the Monday to Friday camps?
1: Yeah, well, well the actual, the, the, the business does run seven days a week and um, 52 weeks of the year. So we we have sessions every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, now, the, the, the sort of job role does change as we go into the, the summer holidays. So obviously a normal school day, um, we have about 10 staff members and each staff member will have a specific timetable where they're being that day. Yeah. So it's a lot of logistics, <laughs> getting them to and from school, making sure they've got enough time. Um, whereas summer holidays is completely different. Um, it's actually a bit easier from my point of view because uh, the employees are literally at the same site, yeah. nine till four, and they're, they're
0: sort of freelance employees, are they, for the summer, or a lot of the coaches? Yeah, so
1: so we have half and half. So we have six sort of full-time employees, and uh, we have um, anything from sort of four to eight subcontractors who will come in and help uh, when, when we're in our busy periods. And what's what was that process like
0: as well? We'll, we'll rewind to your actual football career in a, in a second, but just the business side of it, because I loved coaching. And it's interesting... Well, you ally it to. We've got a guy, one of our good friends, who who started up as a, a sort of business, sort of uh, builder, handyman, landscape gardener, and he's always talked about expanding. The difficulty he's had is that he was the commodity, if you like. He's the person mm-hmm. that's personable, that people like, get on with, that he delivers the work. How difficult for you was it when the decision came? I guess it was post playing to expand because you're hiring people who have to be your face and and your kind of uh, not your brand is the modern term, but you know what I mean. Your yeah. your personality.
1: Yeah, it it is a difficult one because the, the children also get attached to individual coaches. and not not just me, you know, there'd be yeah. one of my other coaches who has maybe looked after a group of children for two or three years and then suddenly it's it's gonna be a different coach. So um yeah, it is difficult but and also because it's your name on the brand, yeah, obviously you need to put somebody who you trust in place. So um Luckily now I've got three lads who've been working for me for for eight years plus now. Yeah. So there's people I can trust and I know, you know, if I if I'm ever away or I'm not about, I know for a fact that So they'll they, be across it. Yeah. They will run the business how I sort of want want it to be run and how the the sessions are delivered on a fun based way, which is what we're all about.
0: Yeah, because that's the key, isn't it? Because i have fortunate enough, I coached in Ireland a little bit in, in university holidays and in the States and kids from anything from 5 to 18, particularly those younger ones, it is making it fun. You almost need people. It's not so much their tactical savvy or technical stuff. It's about kids, people that just enjoy being around young kids because they're yeah. full of enthusiasm, isn't it? So you have to almost mirror mirror their energy.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing. Like I said, we've been, I've been involved in this in 25 years now and I've had... Um, Coaches come to me looking for work who maybe even you a for B, level three, sort of standard coaching. Yeah. But you give them a load of four-year-old children <laughs> and they can't cope.
0: No, you have to have a few games up your sleeve, <laughs> yeah. don't you? For the, and then and like I that, could yeah. get
1: somebody else come in looking for a job who, who's not FA qualified whatsoever. Yeah. But they've had experience of looking after three and four-year-olds. And they like And I, I give them a group of 15 four-year-olds. And it's perfect. And they, they've handled yeah. them perfectly. So um, it's all down to the character of the individual. You know, they have to get on the level of the children. They have to be fun. They have to be approachable. They have to get on their level, really. Yeah. And if you do that, that's half the battle. I mean, setting up the drills we do, you know, most people could be taught that quite quickly. Mm. Um, but... Dealing with a load of children at once. You've got to be patient. You need and to have a special character yeah. to be able to do that. And you can't really teach that somebody. It's, it's
0: well, I've got a four-year-old at the moment, and, and it brings it back to me. And it, it's almost it easier when you had a group of 5 olds because you could kind of corral them. But with one, it's you have to do everything at their pace, don't you? Because nothing happens quickly. You're not yeah. getting into things straight exactly.
1: away. And the other thing is, you know, they're so different. You know, yeah. we, we, we teach about 2,000 children on a weekly basis. Wow. And... You know children are so different from one to the next, and they're also so different from one week to the next Um, so you never know what what to quite ex- <laughs> expect in each session um because you know they throw up different questions and they you know it may be that they've had a bad night's sleep the night before, and suddenly they're you know they're, super cranky yeah, and you just never know what to expect but the 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 positive things about it is because you're working at such a young age, you can see the development. It's almost week on week, Mm. which is is so rewarding. You know, we get two-year-olds, when they start at two, who come in the room... And all they want to do is pick the ball up and throw it and kick it as hard, high and as far away as they possibly can. Which, And then the parents have got their hands in their head and I'm saying, don't worry. What, what
0: age do they stop herding around the ball? That's the thing, isn't it? When you watch them play little yeah. games and they all run after the ball and no, one's, yeah. no one holds position.
1: It's, it's funny how um, you can sort of roughly work out the age and what, where, how they develop. So so from when they get in the room at two, they just want to throw and kick it as hard as they can. Hopefully by the time they get to four... They understand little kicks, keeping it nice and close, stopping it on command. Yeah. Um then I would say about eight, nine year olds, they suddenly then start thinking about positions. Mm. Um and you know, am I gonna be a defender, am I gonna be a midfield player, am I gonna be a forward? And they all obviously want to be a forward. <laughs> um but No they, goalkeepers. Yeah, they they generally start to get the positional play then. Yeah. Um but the competitive side normally kicks in at about six five, six years old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how does that, yeah? And how did, was it interesting? Because you must have seen we had the Women's World Cup on, that girls are getting more involved in it. And when I coached in the States 15, nearly 20 years ago, it was a huge part of it. The camps were almost 50 50 at that stage. You can see that, you know, in terms of the USA being the dominant force, uh, winning, I think, the fifth World Cup, uh, recently the fourth World Cup, five finals. But so they, that's, that has paid the events. Do you see that changing in England in your time coaching that more girls are involved?
1: yeah well I think um obviously what we 've witnessed over the last month with the with the women 's World Cup and the success it's been i think it 's the first time it's really come to the forefront mm. and um I honestly think um it's it, it's going to take off and that's going to be a big reason why is what we've just witnessed over the last month I know my niece and her friends play with the boys and that she's seven yeah so um obviously it's going to take a bit of time because we we, we've, we we obviously have girls come on the course and always have done. Um, but obviously, sometimes the boys can get a little bit over competitive, and you know, testosterone starts exactly. So it can be difficult for the girls to come into that environment. Obviously, the, the sort of two to six year olds. Um, I don't think the boys they don't care. They whether no. they 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 just don't care. I think it's when well, it, often when the girls a little bit more coordinated. Exactly. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, we, that's what we found. I mean, with our super strike sessions, which is two to four year olds. The girls would generally pick it up a lot quicker than mm. the boys. Yeah. Um, and then I think when they start getting six, seven, eight, then the competitive spirit sort of comes out. <laughs> no the obsessive and spirit. And I think yeah. that's when sometimes we, we lose some of the girls. Yes. It's because the boys get so boisterous and winning is everything to them. I think that's when sometimes the girls sort of step away yeah. from it. Which but, is a shame
0: because they can be good communicators in a group yeah. as well that co- almost help help the coaches with some of the things. Exactly,
1: the yeah. And like I said, it, the girls generally do pick up What we do at our camps a lot quicker than the boys.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it's football because what interests me in starting this podcast is I work predominantly in sports news where you're just doing headlines, what's happened. But I've always been fascinated. Why do we love sport deep into life? What do we get out of it? And I suppose when you see those kids at your camps and and elsewhere, it's it's part of socialising them into life as well, isn't it? Learning rules, Mm. regulations, and how to get on with other people.
1: Yeah, we 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 always try and make that point to to parents. You know, um, if you might see our Twitter feeds and all that (laughs) is. You know, we, we sort of mention that it's fresh air, it's interaction with other kids, it's social skills, you know, mixing with maybe children who are not at their school. Um, so coming together and just basically just mixing with new people mm. and being active out in the great outdoors. You know, I think it's such so many plus things for, for, for why children should come on courses like this.
0: And uh, football in particular, I suppose, and it's good for girls. Is my wife's always said we went on anniversaries and honeymoons and stuff abroad, and you sort of, people, you start chatting to someone, even though they speak pidgin English or you speak pidgin Spanish or Italian or whatever. It's, football's like a lingua franca, isn't it, for the world? It's a truly world sport. So, almost for any boy or girl to have that grounding and that common understanding, it's a way, it's a way of forging friendships for, forever.
1: Yeah, I think we've all been on the holiday. Well, I've got three boys here, and um, we're sort of a split Liverpool and Aston Villa family. (laughs) Um, A bit of a clash this year, then, for the first time in a while. We've missed it, actually, the last couple of years. um, But, yeah, it's... um, when you go on holiday, I'd like say if, if one of them has got a football shirt on, it is like a magnet and the locals will come over and suddenly they will tell you about certain players who are playing for that team yeah. and what, what they're they going to do this season and who they're going to sign and things like that. So yeah, like you said, it's,
0: it's, it's important. And how did you handle the biz- we'll get to the football bit a bit but the business side of it because I've been self-employed for periods of my time still do some work self-employed and it's always stressful like accounts and mm. you know you, you get surprises here or there some people say you can deduct this it's hearsay it's quite getting financial side of it the logistics like you said is it, tricky was that difficult when you when you left playing and it became full time and hiring people and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah it, well it's amazing really because I basically learnt on the job mm. um, because when when you're a tiny business when I first set, sort of set it up you do everything. Yeah. So you do the marketing, you do the buying, the selling, um, you know, everything you can think of all the finance, the accounts and at school I was very middle of the road. So um I would sit in middle set. Yeah, I, I would just I was not naughty, but I would just do what I needed to do to get by. Yeah. Um I wasn't really focused. focus you know, I wasn't I didn't push myself at school, I just basically just sat Put that yeah. Put the energy into football. But yeah. then, as soon as I set my own business up, which I think you then have a purpose, and yeah, I suddenly I push myself, and I, I would just stay up late at night, and I would sit down and work things out myself. Yeah. So everything since then has been self-taught. I didn't have any mentor or anything like that with me. Obviously, I have good family around me who who. It's just often, things
0: like spreadsheets and stuff. Yeah. Is difficult. Is it, it? working out how to use them and.
1: And literally, I've just like I say, I've just done everything self-taught. So um the accounts luckily I've got a good accountant now because yeah. it's got a little bit bigger so um I'm, I'm a bit scared of completing all the forms now but, <laughs> but
0: um you always want stuff from accountants in writing as well don't you I remember someone saying to me in person yeah you could claim for that and then I was like but after she said you said I could claim for that and they're like no 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 it's, a, <laughs> it's just a misunderstanding you think you get everything in email form like written down what you can and can't do yeah
1: so so but yeah so I've probably learnt more things since leaving school by running a business myself than what I probably did at, in my school years.
0: Yeah. And it's like that drive because that's an important part of your transition from being a football player into having... Could, could you imagine yourself doing a sort of regular 9 to 5? Because if you play lower league, non-league football or a professional at that level mm. and for a lot of guys I know even the, the elite now who are playing Premier League like Paul Pogba and multimillionaires won't financially need to play well you'd hope so anyway mm. won't financially but to to work again but they have to get purpose and meaning for you. Was it always something that you felt you wanted to drive yourself rather than be an employee of, say, a club's academy or, or something like
1: that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky because it just seemed to all fall into place quite naturally. Like I said, you know, I set it up while I was still playing, and um, as sort of the years went on, I just sort of grew it more and more year on year. So, luckily, by the time. I was literally playing local uh, sort of semi-professional football. I, you know, it was there as a business yeah. to take on. So I was quite lucky that um obviously everything f- f- fell into place. Um, but it's so difficult for a for a sportsman to to sort of, you know, you're in this football bubble. Um <laughs> it's probably even more so now than when I was there, but you know, the, the, the they probably take you on at 6 7 years old now. So you're in this football bubble, you're told you're brilliant all your childhood then yeah. you go into a professional game obviously you're you're like I say you're in this bubble every everyone does everything for you um so you don't have to worry about learning anything or doing anything else because yeah. everything's done for you and then suddenly everyone will then say you're not good enough we're not giving you a contract you're too old etc etc and then you're basically you you're, you're at square one points the just- worst. Yeah, and then
0: what are you going to do? It's a huge psychological challenge, isn't mm. it? And I think, yeah, like you say, having a having a plan in the back of your mind is is huge. For you as well, we talked about, we talking about Angel Di Maria, bizarrely, because obviously it's a transfer window at the moment. And where I work at Sky Sports News, it's a huge deal. But what we don't often talk about is the human side. And we talk, I was talking about Di Maria and how he's been great at Real Madrid, didn't get on well in Paris. But then you sort of think a little bit deeper about the human side. We expect players to be robots, but perhaps... Being in Manchester, he's from Argentina, the weather, the lack of maybe Spanish-speaking people, is huge, isn't it? For that Was was that for you in your career? Because it can be a nomadic lifestyle being a lower league footballer. Was that part of your reason to maybe start a business and think, I'm going to anchor here? Because unless you do that, I know you guys can traipse up and down the country and never mm. feel like they get, I guess, structure and, and, and foothold in place in their life.
1: Yeah, well, probably for me, it's probably slightly wrong question for me because uh, again I'm, I'm a Cheltenham boy yeah, yeah so I left school at Bishops Clee, um secondary school and i signed for Cheltenham town sort of my local team um obviously I spent a few years there but then I went to Gloucester City <laughs> um so I'm literally I, I'm a homebird yeah. you know I, I so you I, couldn't
0: imagine chasing the dream to go up a yeah, division but then, across the country or...
1: yeah you um you look and uh, It's so many other factors need to come into play. You know, I'm sure if we talk about someone like Dean Maria, you know, he might his family might not have settled in the area, so Mm. he might be having pressure off his wife and his kids, and you know, so he's got that in his head, and then obviously he might go to to training, and it's difficult with the language, and you know, and there's a lot of. Obviously I know a lot of people out there will say, How's that pressure when he's earning that yeah, amount yeah. of money? But they're a human being. But there's also
0: pressure on money side of we well, say League Two football, as Michael yeah. Duff was talking about, it's still one year, two year contracts yeah. and it's
1: See so I think the the lower league, lower professional league is one of the hardest industries to be in because if you can imagine, you know, an average family man with two children at home and a wife and they literally only get one two year contracts. You yeah. know, so if you're traveling all around the country to sign contracts, up uprooting the family every season to go yeah. somewhere else. And, you know, you, these are people who are not earning mega money. You know, they're probably earning an average salary. Yeah. But they have, they, they only got a one year contract. A higher
0: costs, potentially, if they have yeah. to go and stay in a hotel where they train or wherever. They, exactly. If the club's not on their doorstep.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you're living in the fear that, you know, come Christmas time and you've only got six months left on your contract, you know, you the pressure is, well, if they don't give me a contract, what am I going to do? And I've got a family to support, We, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. And, you know, when you're a football player and you're only on a year contract, two-year contract, it's such, must be such sort of a difficult... Uncertainty just brings yeah. a lot of
0: stress, doesn't it? And A yeah. lot of difficult, and almost probably, like, because I remember... Some people say that almost at lower leagues, you hear people, fans say, oh, he had a long contract, he had a two-year contract, he got complacent. But you think there's an argument that giving people a bit of certainty helps them feel committed and structured, doesn't it? Some people don't work well in that fear environment. They sort of, you know, their performance is impaired by that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I, I wouldn't like to be a lower league football player in today's world, to be honest, um,
0: it's a lot of pressure as well as Michael Duff said to me about like yeah. pressure for them to live up to the image of a footballer and buy expensive t-shirts and, yeah. and trainers yeah. like Paul Poppers or whatever and think right? he sort of says well, hang on a minute that's two weeks wages for you yeah. what are you doing exactly.
1: <laughs> and like you say it is a completely different world from the Premier League you know it's Premier League, you know, it's like a competition. Who can spend the most money? Yeah. And, who, you know, whoever spends... It's is like a it, trophy yeah. nowadays. Yeah. The team who spend the most money win a trophy. And then you go down literally two, two or three levels. And then suddenly the managers at that level, they don't have budgets at all. And they are picking from a pot of probably about 500 free transfers. Yeah. So that's to, that's a yeah. change of literally just going down you probably to haven't, the haven't got internet
0: levels. databases and youtube videos of these players either so you no. of they're, they're sort of you know stabbing in the dark a little bit aren't they these that?
1: managers will have a list of like i said four or five hundred players who are all on free transfers and it's just going to be basically picking players off that list
0: because what was your thought process because you left Cheltenham town just before they came into the football league didn't you but were you around were they they were full-time when you were there is that right because that was, that was a big decision we were talking about, that That some players actually didn't want to go full-time because they had other careers.
1: Yeah, so, so literally I was one of the first intakes for, for the full-time YTS at the time. Yeah. Um, so Cheltenham were, I think at the time, the conference probably had about half a dozen teams full-time. Yeah. And Cheltenham were... So that's
0: a league for anyone listening below the top oh four okay, leagues sorry. in England. Yeah, no, just, yeah, the just national you never so, know who stumbled across this on, um, online.
1: So I think there was probably about half a dozen teams who were full-time. And um Cheltenham Town weren't at the time, however they they set up the a brand new y t s academy scheme um
0: so it was
1: aged eighteen was it first yeah, so sort of sixteen to eighteen I think there was two in two so two year intakes, I was the second year of the intakes, so um I think there's about eight eight of us per year yeah um and then um there was probably three or four of the first team players then. Sort of become sort of full time with us, mm. so they just to come in and train with the YTS boys um, each day. So that's how it sort of sort of started. So we, we were literally the first the first intake but from Charlton. Town. Would have been a big
0: decision, wouldn't it, if you had a career to? Because you're probably be at that point training Tuesday, Thursday, playing yeah. Saturday, and you had a, a regular nine to five. Yeah. But you say some players, some players as well would have been working on building sites, so it would have been knackered by the time they went to training. <laughs>
1: exactly, and I think when Charlton Town did make the jump to the Football League. I think there were, there were a fair few players who didn't actually go full-time because they were the other side of 30 Yeah. and they've been in a, a job for, for basically most of their adult life and then they're not really going to give that up for a one-year football contract. Yeah. So it's obviously a difficult decision to make because you've just got promoted into the football league, which is probably the biggest moment of your careers, um, but then you know full well that you can't take it further. Um, so a friend of mine, Keith Knight, um, he was one of them oh, actually. Right, yeah. He he um, took Cheltenham Town up. He was a big part of it but um, unfortunately you know, because he was the other side of 30 he couldn't.
0: Well when you've got kids as well your your dream almost becomes secondary doesn't it to, to provide it and that's the big thing. You can't <laughs> yeah. have to put it onto one side sometimes.
1: Yeah and like you said you've just got to weigh everything up. You know your age with the job you're doing. Is it a lifetime job? Is it something you just just in to make a bit of money. Um, obviously, there's lots of different factors you would have to take in before making a huge decision for you and your family.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting that some people maybe delay family for a little bit later, but certainly kids, because that makes it an extra extra level of responsibility. What, how important do you think for players in League One, League Two, in particular, who financially wouldn't have a, a maybe a nest egg to, to rely on to just plan ahead to, in their 20s? Because you never know... We know Shane Duff, Michael's younger brother, what twenty eight, twenty nine, when his career prematurely came to an end with a, a random back injury. So yeah. you never know when it, when that right when you have to get off the ride.
1: Yeah, um, I think um, I think players are more aware nowadays. I mean, when I, when I was a player, it's a different world to what it is now. Yeah, um, there's a lot more. I think players are a lot more aware that tomorrow could be their last game. Um, so I th- I'm hoping. Um, I th- I think I know that. A lot of people do put other things in place and there is
0: time in the afternoons isn't there after you've trained to, to think ahead it's yeah. just getting in maybe say getting out of the, the, the sort of pattern I've spoken to rugby players Gareth mm. Evans at Gloucester about this that you don't go out for a coffee with the boys maybe you go and mm. study at home or whatever you have yeah. to do
1: yeah and it, you know it can be difficult because at the end of the day your football your training your matches are never consistent you know you can't always mm. say oh mondays i'm training nine till one or tuesdays <laughs> I'm
0: you know like my shifts actually <laughs>
1: yeah. every day is different and if you have a bad result you might be in the next morning yeah. so um you can't make too many you can't hard, make too many plans however you can it, do things in your own time to help you get ready for something just think football. about it sometimes isn't it yeah think about it maybe do some sort of online courses or um just go and get experience just say you'll volunteer at certain things just to pick up experience you know you, there are ways you can gain experience and knowledge um without committing to anything really yeah
0: as a father and a citizen of the uk you obviously provided a service that perhaps wasn't there in schools do you think schools should provide that service or do you think primary schools in particular it's just something that they can't cater for that perhaps they won't have staff that that are skilled at delivering pe or, or football specific sessions
1: yeah, I mean, I think um, nowadays teachers are under a lot of pressure and the schools, because the curriculum's so full up and they have to hit targets at various things. Um, but what I'd say is I'm not, I think sometimes the sport is the one which has to suffer. Mm. And that—that's a one when they're up against it and can't fit things in. They seem to remove the sport for some reason.
0: Do you? Yeah. Do you always have fields to play on? Do your sessions? Yeah. Or, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not always. I mean, there are some schools out there where we um, we get a choice of either the concrete <laughs> or the hall, which is obviously at primary schools that we're not talking a big hall, we're no. talking a smaller hall. So because there's literally no grass, So you have to amend. So your coaches so, have to be dexterous. At, yeah. Yeah. So obviously that that then creates problems you know when you fall over and things like that so um yeah but i just think um i think it's such an important thing for children to especially in the in the world we live in where obviously xboxes and playstations you know are a big big part of children's upbringing now yeah um i just think
0: an obesity isn't it type, yeah. type 2 diabetes even in kids now
1: yeah and that's it uh, you know to, i think they should have to make sure that they do some form of exercise every week um and it shouldn't. Sport shouldn't be the thing which gets dropped when they're up against it. Yeah,
0: oh, that's true. Um, so what's what's next for Andy Tucker Schools? And do you think because you've got fifty schools, you could? have <laughs> if you talked about obviously, your wife made us a lovely coffee here, Rosalind. Do you talk about expanding even nationally and beyond to counties beyond Worcestershire and, and Gloucestershire.
1: Yeah, so um, what well, the immediate future is obviously we've got the summer holiday camps coming up so we're we're getting all ready for that. Um, Andy com is it or uh, ATsoccercamps.co.uk and um, so yeah we're getting ready for for the for those courses. Um, the sort of medium to long term, we're we the super striker side of the business, the preschool. We we are actually looking to expand that into new areas by taking on licensed coaches, which yeah. is like a sort of a mini franchise. Um, but it's going to be flexible. We
0: stay in the West Country area. Or are you well, gonna it's going yeah. No,
1: we we we've already got some, somebody doing it in Cornwall for right. us. We got a licensed coach in Cornwall. Um, we've got a li- some business
0: trips down for the beach. Here, is it? I know that's <laughs> what I was thinking.
1: Um, I'm thinking further afield, maybe Dubai, yeah. <laughs> Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, and we've also got a licensed coach starting in Worcester, oh, okay. um, in September um so we're you know we're, we're looking to expand the super striker side of the business because it's a bit more unique obviously with the football coaching for primary school you know it, it's probably but all over the developing country.
0: like agility coordination yeah. for those kids that's an impact potentially throughout their life isn't it when you're getting them at three or three and yeah. four
1: well we think it's a bit more of a unique product we have with the preschool because it's well, we mentioned it earlier you it's a standard FA level one, level two coach might not be able to do a super striker yeah. session. You have to be a little bit more experienced with that age group mm. to deliver the session. Um, so it's a bit more of a unique market than a lot of... And typically
0: acro- the teachers yeah. who look after them, you know, it's a lot of women uh, who may be, not, may be not growing up playing football. They're kind of nursery teachers aren't they they're not so they're not accustomed to to coaching football so that's an opportunity for you to 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 fit in there
1: yeah well um yeah we we are going to look to expand that and like i said we we think we've we've had 12 years experience now working with that age group so um we sort of ironed out um the the games which work the games which don't work um how to deal with certain situations and um, we feel we're at a level now where we can give that experience to other coaches to, to go and set it up. And what we're, we're trying to do is it doesn't have to be a full time. So someone doesn't need to change their career to do it. We, you know, we could attract teachers and maybe other play group leaders who want to maybe do one or two sessions a week yeah um so yeah that's what we're looking to do in the medium to long-term future
0: and you see that as an opportunity maybe you could bring on female coaches as well with that age group in particular it could be a skill set you when you go to nurseries and i've been in that experience you very rarely see a a male you know carer at that stage it could Mm be an opportunity for for i guess women and younger girls to join your coaching staff
1: yeah um we have had um um ladies on our coaching staff in the past um but we we would actually we'd love to to get more ladies involved with our coaching team um i think it's important for the children to to you know to see male and female coaches within our company yeah um and hopefully that'd be a positive thing
0: on that note you obviously work with your wife and i've worked with my wife she's a graphic designer on certain projects we tried to work together it's an interesting one particularly when you get kids because you're sort of like what when are you husband and wife and when are you business (laughs) partners how do you work that relationship
1: yeah well we we basically work together, so Carolyn um is in charge of um, the office side of the businesses um so um we are literally with each other twenty four seven
0: but do you have rules about when you talk business and when you talk sort of family uh, life
1: no we don't actually and um obviously I think we, we must have a strong relationship because we we've been Doing this as sort of like full time together, probably for the last five or six years. Yeah, and we're still talking to each other. <laughs> it's so, good. Uh, but you don't in
0: the middle of the night sort of like roll over and say, "Oh, we've got to put a camp on in uh, in Gloucester next week." Or something. I actually
1: do that probably every night of the week, just before I go to bed. I suddenly remember something we haven't done. Yeah. So, um, but even I actually text her even though she's laying in bed next to me (laughs) because I know full well when I wake up in the morning I forget what it was I thought of so I just text her and then when we wake up now I can remember she wouldn't
0: appreciate you nudging her and you know saying I remember no probably not is it is it it helped the business having that that partnership
1: yeah well it got to a stage where the the sort of office side of things is is literally a full-time job we get we get hundreds of emails on a daily basis yeah um you know generally inquiring about lots of different things and schools and obviously we're dealing with 2,000 kids a week there's a mm. lot of sort of admin which goes with that um so um I was at the, at the time they've got we, different
0: holiday times wasn't it state schools and you know private schools
1: yeah so everything um you know it's we although we do 50 schools like I said they they may have different sort of holiday times um there may be like a sports day one week, so we're not in, and um, there might be a school trip one day, so we've got maybe just alter the time. So there's a lot of things which go on. So um, it's important that Carolyn's sort of there to to deal with everything when it comes in. Wow, she
0: takes all the pressure and all the payroll inquiries and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: well, she's not here at the moment, so I can say yeah. yeah that's
0: right. <laughs> well, I called her Roslyn a minute ago, so I apologise for that. Um, Andy, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting to you. Do you remain a Cheltenham Town fan finally, and do you, you got high hopes for the, this season?
1: Well, yeah. Um, um, well, I'm now involved with the Former Players Association with Simon Goodwin. He's um, so trying
0: to get Sion by the way, but he says he might cry, so I don't know what he's <laughs> going to tell me if he goes through his full story, but I've heard a few things.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll probably tell you about his left foot. Oh, I yeah. see, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm involved with that now. So, um, actually, since I've been involved with that, I've actually gone been a bit more sort of active down there and I've, I've sort of been, been around a lot more than what I was. So, it's nice, actually, to uh, obviously see former teammates, Yeah. Um, And I think it's a good thing for especially with a club like Charlton Town, who's most of its history has been like a non-league club. Yeah. And obviously the recent history has been a football league club. And I think a lot of the supporters um, have have obviously seen both and it's like a different sort of product. So um, I think it's great that um, they're sort of combining both eras.
0: And people seem to be moving to Cheltenham. Someone said there's a problem with electricity in the town, that there's more people here living here now. Do you think there's, there's that demographic switch, that energy coming into the town, that perhaps they can feed off that and, and get people more effectively more people through the gates to, to maybe crack up and, and once again do League One and establish themselves as a you know, slightly bigger club?
1: Yeah, and I mean, it is, it is difficult for them because, um, you know, as a, as a league... a so Vizsla just shaking off. Yeah, there? sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're competing with the, some teams in that league who are obviously financially a lot better off than Cheltenham Town. Yeah. You know, Cheltenham Town have only been a league club for well, I can't remember how many years now. So they are playing catch-up with, with some of these other teams. And you've got that, the race course just literally Yeah, round and obviously we're here. a big rugby town as well. So um, you know, I think Gloucester Rugby get, what, ten to 15,000 in the home game. So you're competing with that Um but I think Chatham Town have done something really good with their season ticket prices cut this prices, year. Yeah, They've cut John, the prices, yeah. and I think the season tickets look look uh, higher than what they have been in recent years. So that's obviously positive that the club are, are looking at attracting more people into the into the football club.
0: Well, let's hope it's a good season, Andy. Appreciate your time. Are you busy? You got the soccer camps coming up, <laughs> guys. <laughs> check them out uh, at soccercamps.co.uk. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And uh, if you want to know more, get more in touch with me. I know that Andy's on social media, but I'm. Ed Draper, eighty-one sports broadcaster in the UK. If you'd like the uh, podcast, please do rate it on iTunes. And we hope to uh, speak to you again in the very near future. I'm off to Cornwall, and I might do one about being a Man United fan of my four brothers because it's been a more difficult—my si- well, three brothers, I should say—I've <laughs> ended a fourth one. Difficult six years or so, but you know, it's welcome challenge. I think Andy. Yeah, oh
1: yeah, well, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an Aston Villa fan, yeah. so yeah, we've had it even worse than you over the last three or four years. Yeah, so. I think that's fair
0: to say. Yeah, it's all relative. Cheers, guys.